1: Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining us, like always, Steven Schlager. Hello. And, of course, all the way across the internet is Rodrigo Lopez. That's me. Hey, everybody. What's up? Nothing? So much. I'm so glad. So, so much going so, on. So much going on. Uh, we're continuing our uh, something of 69 yeah. this week on Zach on Film. Yeah. We've been... Oh, so we watched uh, The Wild Bunch. Mm-hmm. We watched Easy Rider. And we watched a Butch movie Cassidy. I'm forgetting, Butch Cassidy, which was just last week. And uh, now we're moving on somewhat, I still have a cowboy theme, mm-hmm. with Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, Midnight Cowboy, starring um, John Voight and
0: uh, Dustin Hoffman. 1969, directed by John Schlesinger. Um, it is about uh, Joe Buck, who thinks he's God's gift to women, and he's going to go to New York, and he's going to be a gigolo, and he's going to give it to the rich ladies who want to give it away. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't turn out that way.
1: No. Rodrigo, have you watched Midnight
2: Cowboy before this week? Not not at all. Midnight Cowboy is one of those movies that uh, I only ever knew about because it won an Academy Award and, like, it pops up on lists. Right. But I had, like, I never watched it. I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Steven, I'm guessing you've watched this many a time. Uh,
1: no, this is the second time I've watched it. I oh, watched okay. it a long, long, long time ago. Okay. okay. And a
2: long time ago for me is,
1: like,
0: Your entire life, yeah, right. Like the early '90s or late. Yeah, it's probably mid '90s. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Um. So yeah, this is a movie that gets a lot of press and talking about it because it was the first and last X-rated movie to ever win an Academy Award, in which it won two, best film Uh, and something else. Three, three three. uh,
0: Academy Awards: best picture, best director, and best adapted screenplay. This is based on the book by and i forget who the book is by uh, james leo um hurley i think is how you say his name um hurley uh but uh yeah it's the just a few years later the mpaa changed the rating of the film so by 1971 it had been changed to an r rating mm. but at the time you had um gpg um r and x and um then, of course, depending on the severity of the X, then you had a double X film oh. or you had oh, a right. triple X film. Sure. So that's where you have uh, your triple X designation, meaning it's so raw and raunchy that that's why mm-hmm. today we have that, that porn industry, which is so hardcore that it's triple X. And had they not changed that, um, you know, I could see people going
1: 4X, 5X, 7X. That'd be fun. Yeah, no, I doubt that. Well, I know, but <laughs> – um, so, so did they – change it to an R based off reconsideration yes. or did they add a new rating yeah, they or added, how it happened
0: they rated the um i believe they added the R rating or no the i forget how the the rating system worked right around that time but they looked at it again and they were like you know what this film really is R rating material there's mm-hmm. nothing in here that is as salacious as what we had given it to the X and by 71 the porn industry had started to take on uh the X um rating as a moniker for their stuff. So I'm sure the MPAA was trying to move away from that for what many people would consider a traditional film. Mm-hmm. Even though I mean we could do a whole discussion on uh pornography in the 70s and how it was very mainstream and very acceptable to go to a movie theater and watch porn mm-hmm. with your significant other or whatever. Um but this is not one of those kind of films.
1: No. And, but Okay, I'm just going to second the rating saying for a second because it was later what in the 80s when PG-13 came out PG-13
0: came out with um, Red Dawn. That was PG-13. Many people uh, assume that it was Gremlins, but uh, Red Dawn came out just like a month or so before Gremlins did. But Gremlins, because it was Spielberg and because it had the cutesy factor and a lot of people were wanting to take their kids and then it was PG-13, that's the one that got the most notoriety. And then with Basic Instinct in the uh, 90s, that's where we got the NC-17, which Mm -hmm. is – you Know it's not R, it's not X, but it's somewhere in between, and so that's where that NC 17 rating uh came right. in,
1: which is a, a rating now that rarely gets come out. I mean, I've only seen it on one film, right? Re- recently, and what was it, that? Uh, Shame from Steve McQueen and Michael oh, okay. Fassbender. and that was 2012 2013 that it mm-hmm. came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only film I've ever really known that's got that. Yeah. So the ratings
0: from 68 to 70 were rated G for general audiences, rated M for mature audiences. That would be our PG today. Yeah. R restricted, persons under 16 not admitted, uh, and then rated X, persons under 16 or rated R, not admitted without an adult. Rated X, not admitted at all.
1: Right. And so that's what I mean. That's what NC 17 is now. Is that doesn't matter if you have an adult? Right. No. No one under 17 allowed. Right. Yeah. And it's such an interesting movie because we you know we look back at these films. And, you know, ratings came up when we looked at The Wild Bunch, which was a pretty hard R, I remember? And they were mm-hmm. like, flirting with like an X rating at the time, if I remember our discussion. Yeah, I don't know about X rating. I know that the, they were
0: definitely a hard R on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, especially when you look back at these films, you're like, well, that's really not that bad compared to what we are kind of used to. Now, from a movie movie, that's really pushing it. I mean, again, if
0: you looked at something that was X-rated, truly X-rated, or even double X-rated, triple X-rated in the 70s, you'd go, that's tame Mm. compared to what we have today. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly it goes much more intense than what it was in the 70s when the MPAA was using that X-rated. Sure, sure.
1: So, Rodrigo, this is the first time you've watched it and I've watched it. Did this movie... Uh, I guess, live up to what you had heard it was, or was it the same thing you had believed it was because for me, it was a little bit uh, different than what I was expecting going in
2: uh, I mean i didn't I really didn't know what to expect. um uh, really, what I went in expecting was, okay, so this is a movie from sixty nine so I'm guessing there's going to be at least one crazy experimental sequence on it, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were a couple, Mm -hmm. um, basically any, any time, any time, uh, Joe falls asleep, we get a, a small, like, uh, school, like film school project. On (laughs) Uh, his
0: life though, but it's really important to pay attention to that.
2: Uh, so that's, that's mostly what I was expecting and it did deliver on that. Um, I don't know. I didn't go in with a lot of expectations of the movie. I, I read the premise just because in like, uh, in loading up the the movie on Amazon, it tells you. Yeah. Um, so I, I went in expecting that. And I got to say, I wasn't, um, I was afraid that the movie was going to be about a successful gigolo. Uh, but I was very pleasantly surprised that it wasn't because I think that's way more interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I,
0: I, you know, what, what was your expectations going in, Zach? What, and...
1: um, well, based off of what, uh I knew of it was that this was an x-rated movie. I thought it was going to be more overtly in your face sexual than I actually <laughs> thought it was. I mean, like in the realm of what you expected like, to it, see like
0: people doing it, doing yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean the, bong, bong, I mean, the bong, only bong, bong, movie I've ever seen bong, bong, close bong, to this bong, is bong, Shame bong, and that was full frontal, yeah. both sexes with sex happening on screen. Uh, and that's not really what you get here. Um, I mean, there's still like a lot of insinuated insinuation in what's happening. Uh, it's when Joe Buck gets to New York for the first time and he finds this lady on the street and they go back to his, uh, her, her penthouse and, you know, they start doing it. There's a lot of this nice sequence, which I really loved of a television getting its channel changed while they're in the process of doing, uh, their lovemaking and um, it ends with a, a, a casino just dishing out a bunch of coins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so you were used, still using a lot of euphemism in this film, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed, but it's not what I thought of an X-rated movie.
0: Right, right. But what is this? What's this movie about? I mean, as far as what would have given it the X rating?
1: Oh well, it's. I mean, there. I mean, there was nudity throughout, which I'm not uncommon at this time, uh, but still a little risque. But then there's obviously. Um, Which I guess I guess I kind of knew going in. There was some um, like gay love type Mm -hmm. stuff happening with Mm -hmm. Joe, and that's certainly what I'm gonna guess pushed it over the edge
0: for the ratings board. The main homosexual, the homosexuality um, aspect of it is what caused the board to question it, especially the scene where he is uh, somewhat desperate and he goes into uh, the movie theater and he picks up the um, the, the college kid, mm-hmm. and the college kid goes down on him in the theater,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is that is the main reason why it got the X rating was for that sequence right there. Okay. Uh, also, later, when Joe goes with another man back to his hotel room, and then he beats him up, mm-hmm. uh, that's another reason why.
1: Oh, really? For yeah, the yeah. beating him up thing?
0: Well, in, well, in the response to the, the expectation. Homosexual. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, yeah you know, when... I guess I'll just say this about the film. When I got to the end, there's not very many times while I'll watch a movie that I immediately want to start it again. Mm-hmm. It's happened a few times. It's very rare. But when I got to the end of Midnight Cowboy, I wanted to start watching again. I had things to do, so I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I felt like... Not that I missed something, but I wanted to kind of spend more time with the characters mm-hmm. in a sense in that there was just enough where you're completely, or at least I was completely intrigued with Joe Buck and um, Dustin Hoffman's uh, Ratso or Rizzo, whatever you want to call him, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that when we got to the end, I was like, oh, I, you know, I think there's more to these characters than I might have picked up uh, on initially or that this moving, movie is potentially saying a lot more than what I thought it would ever try to do before going in it. And so it definitely left me with a feeling of I need to watch this
2: movie again. Did you have any of that, Rodrigo? Um, I, I think individual scenes I wanted to rewatch just to make sure that I had seen what I thought I'd seen, like the weird like plastic rat uh, oh, yeah. part. Um, I, I, So, uh, kind of more towards for, for the characters, I, uh, like, about two-thirds of the way through, I was like, oh, this movie tricked me. It's a buddy comedy. How <laughs> dare you? Like, I thought this was going to be a sad introspection into some guy from Texas, and it turns mm-hmm. out I'm watching Butch Cassidy all over again.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's definitely uh a
1: thing that it almost seems out of nowhere but when you look at the character like oh these two guys have kind of no idea how to operate within the city maybe rizzo doesn't in in a in a a sense but he can't take care of himself and so Mm -hmm. these two definitely cling to each other and try to figure out how to survive in the city Mm -hmm. because joe buck is definitely he comes with comes from texas to new york with these ideas of grandeur of you know, just essentially just having sex all the time and being paid and he'll live this life. Um, But I think, like, is a theme across life and just media in general. The city is not what people expect it to be. Well, Certainly in the
0: 70s. I mean, New York was like murder capital of the world. And, you know, I mean, it was not until after, um, who came after um, Koch? Um, Forget the mayor after him, who really cleaned up Not LaGuardia. LaGuardia was before, Um, but really cleaned up New York and Times Square, which is where um, when Joe first gets to New York, he his hotel is there right on the corner of Times Square. So when he's looking out at the at the uh, at the money building, Mm -hmm. uh, that's Times Square today. And that's not how Times Square was back in the 70s. It was not a place that you went and hung out on New Year's Eve. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was literally. Um, triple X rated theaters, sex clubs, sex shops. I mean, it was a lot of prostitution. I mean, in New York was, and I don't think anyone who's uh, lived in New York during the time, New York was not a great place to be at in the seventies. Go look at movies like the one that Matthew's always wanting to watch, uh, the, the warriors, mm-hmm. uh, that gives you a kind of a good indication of gangs oh. and, um, I mean, you
2: know, taxi driver, taxi driver right? Yeah. yeah.
0: We've looked at that too. So, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a great place to be.
1: Yeah, and so watching him transform from this really optimistic dude who uh, cleaned dishes uh, at a diner in Texas that is clinging to his radio as he tries to ask women where the Statue of Liberty is, and so he can try to pick up with him, and then just like failing, and then like not understanding what in the world he's doing and then just, like, becoming super poor and getting kicked out of his hotel room. And to just watch him kind of spiral into this thing I thought was um, slightly depressing but so, fascinating to watch.
0: L- so let me ask you this. Joe Buck at the start of this movie, who does he think he is?
1: Um, Like John Wayne with a
0: bigger dick, probably. Okay. And he even says, I mean, he says... I'm I'm good at at the one thing that I can do and that's yeah. and that's having sex with women and that's how I'm going to get paid. And he goes to New York and and we see via flashbacks that his upbringing in Texas um has had all the uh, figures the the father figures in his life have been um boyfriends of his grandmother who he lives with who all have a very thick um cowboy thing going for them, They're mm-hmm. ranchers or they're, you know, oil field workers or whatever that they may be. So, you know, growing up, his idea of masculinity is John Wayne. Right. Paul Newman, uh, you know, cowboy, a cowboy means man, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see even in television uh, around this time, we see the Marlboro man, right? And the Marlboro man is the epitome of what it means to be a real man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's r- rough, tough smoking, you know, going out and doing everything. And, as the movie progresses, what happens to Joe Buck?
2: Like he's bad at things. Yeah, he's bad. Well, he's
0: bad at things. I mean, what happens when he goes to New York and he tries to do his his cowboy routine?
1: It, it does not work. For why? Why doesn't it work? Well, Ratso says it's because he. Everyone thinks he's gay because he dresses like that. Because why? I don't know. I don't know
0: why. Because, Be, because the the people that are trading in. Uh, homosexual sex are dressed as cowboys. There's all these, no. s- these all shots where um, he's trying to pick up on customers and they're looking at him weird. And then he's looking around and all these other guys in the gay district are dressed as cowboys. Rats, right. Ratso says, Hey, you dress like you're gay and everyone mm-hmm. thinks you're gay. And that's why women don't want anything to do with you because they think you're gay. And that causes Joe Buck in, in the, the big line in the middle. There's two big famous lines in here uh, where he says, are you telling me and this again is from the movie quote, not me, but uh, are you telling me that John Wayne is a fag? Mm-hmm. He is he is questioning everything about his masculinity throughout this movie and what it means to be a man um, from what he sees as what it means to be a man and seeing it through all these different uh Levels as he is knocked down peg after peg after peg till he hits rock bottom. So on the one hand, you can look at Joe Buck as this total deconstruction of masculinity, of of what people think masculinity is in Mm -hmm. the 60s Mm
2: -hmm.
0: until at the very end of the movie. What does he do? Puts on a Hawaiian
1: shirt. Not a Hawaiian
0: shirt. (laughs) Puts on regular, normal clothing He has normal, regular interactions with a girl at a counter. And he thinks that, hey, man, maybe I maybe the American dream isn't just getting paid money left and right and getting rich off of just having sex with old women. Maybe it is just getting a regular job and just being a Mm -hmm. regular guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But it takes him this entire process to go through it, because the other thing about Joe Buck is Joe Buck is dumb. Sure. I mean, he is like dumb dumb dumb
1: yeah he doesn't great.
0: doesn't know how to spell money right m-o-n-y mm. because he sees it on this this big bank uh, sign uh and believes that that or is the mutual of new york building and thinks that oh that must be how you spell money he has no idea what it means to live outside of this west texas uh town um unfortunately it's i think it's explained more in the book than in the movie flashbacks um and this gets into the other theme that I think the director is really pushing on is, uh, Joe Buck was abandoned by his mother. Mm -hmm. Mom runs off, leaves him with grandma. Grandma is kind of, you know, looking for a new man in her life and has a lot of men in her life. And so a lot of times she's leaving Joe alone to his own devices and his devices are radio TV. And then as he gets older, his one girlfriend, uh, which that thing just ends up horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the other thing theme that's kind of explored through this is media and how people are so obsessed with everything having to do with the media. Uh, Joe is addicted to that radio, and that is the one thing that he doesn't want to give up above all things is that beloved radio. He's upset when he has to pay 25 cents to watch television. The fact that the commercialism that, they, that is being shown on television while they're getting it on is another thing of, look how this is, it's not the sex that that this movie's about. It's about the commercialism. It's about the money. And it's about people trying to do whatever it takes to get that money to live up to in from Joe Buck's mind and even Ratso's mind, what it means to be success. I mean, we see Ratso have a dream. And his is, ah, I'm going to start out as just your average Joe in Florida. And then before you know it, I'm going to be running the entire place. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they think success is. And it's driven by this commercialism Uh, through the media that is imprinted on everybody during this time. I mean, the movie opens up with a shot of a billboard that says, if you don't have an oil well, get one. I mean, that's, that's about as, that's about as saying, Hey, money is all that matters as you can get in a movie, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is by opening it up with that, that, that shot. And we see that you're going to need a lot of money if you're going to survive in New York. And if you're dumb and trying to survive in New York, you're going to lose that money very, very quickly. And by the end of the movie, You know, um, Joe has to make this decision of, do I stick around here or do I take my friend and get the money and run and try to just be a normal person by the end of the movie? So you've got these two things, a deconstruction of what it means to be masculine in the 60s and 70s. And then you have this idea that um, people are just obsessed with commercialism and and making money. And that's all driven through the media. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are kind of two big, powerful things that that I see going on in this movie that... May not be apparent to audiences because the main thing is, oh, here's this guy. He's going to go have a lot of sex. And so people get that in their mind and they may miss out on all this other stuff that is subtly, although you did point it out that it was a hilarious scene when he's getting it on in the hotel room and the commercials Mm -hmm. and everything are popping up. There's that other aspect of this movie as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if if you guys got any of that or not. Uh, What do you think,
1: Rodrigo?
2: I mean I, I definitely saw it as this kind of uh condemnation of kind of like the 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 co- the like the cowboy idea mm-hmm. is like here's a guy who's not really a cowboy trying to be a cowboy and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know and and by the end of it he's done with it. You know it's kind of like this childish thing. Yeah. So I saw it you know, maybe not so much as a, an indictment of that toxic masculinity or whatever, but really more of a uh, an F you at the previous genre of, of dominance, right? It's Which like is- saying, nobody cares about cowboys anymore. Guys, nobody cares about cowboys anymore. Mm.
0: Which is funny because there are all these quote-unquote westerns that came out in the same year. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. we look at the Wild Bunch, where where the point of the Wild Bunch was okay, people want a cowboy movie. I'm going to give you a cowboy movie that shows you what it means to be a cowboy and having to kill and be a bad guy and do all of these things. And then you've got Midnight Cowboy, the, the Wild Bunch, and then you've got Midnight Cowboy, which is just basically, yeah, like cowboy means something else mm-hmm. to everyone else. So yeah, it's it's interesting to uh, to look at that.
1: Well, essentially, all of the films in some way have been this removal of the cowboy mythos, or at least the people inside of the movie are moving away from, we've seen The Wild Bunch, mm-hmm. as like, well, this is it, like, we're pretty much done after this. We see the same thing in Butch Kess and Sundance Kid, they're all like, well, this is about our time, you know, there's a bicycle now, and our horses are going away, and Easy Rider is more of a modern day thing of like, hey, look at this, we have, you know, we have these sweet motorcycles now, mm-hmm. and as a whole new genre, and then, yeah, literally in Midnight Cowboy, he's like, well, that's done. I uh, that's not what I thought it was. It's time to move on and see what else is new. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of portray inside mm-hmm. of America. Yeah, I, I I thought the uh the last bit with Joe Buck, especially when he's talking about you know just getting a job, and it really is. It's almost it is almost the anti-American ideal in a movie because in a movie we are always like well who's the guy that just makes it big and we just right. follow him we don't follow generally like the hero doesn't become a, a guy that works like an 8 to 5 job and right. then goes home and just kind of lives his life and is uh, a quote unquote normal american because in movies or in media in general the normal people um they either yeah, have they to they either have to be yeah. some something weird or they have to make it big. They can't, No one just gets to be like a normal mm-hmm. yeah. human everybody, in movies. Everybody, and, and again, this is,
0: again, the media does this, right? right. This idea of here's the American dream is you, you get rich or die trying. And um, the I- idea is you come to America, you get rich. Doesn't matter where you go, you can get rich. Mm. New York, being the center of the universe from many people's perspective, is the place where you go and make the big money. Mm. That is where you go and become successful. So at the end of this, when he flees New York broke and decides that, well, maybe I'll just get another, uh, you know, a regular job. Is that not another slap in the face at what at this perception that media has created of what the American dream is? Mm-hmm. Maybe the American dream is just a happy, normal life. Mm-hmm. Maybe washing dishes isn't so bad. Right. So yeah, it's it's interesting.
1: Um the The flashbacks to Joe Buck's upbringing and his, uh, well, his, the sex he has with his girlfriend and that mm-hmm. whole traumatic sequence mm-hmm. play a, uh, man, they play an interesting role in the film and made me question, like, what, what are they trying to say through this? And, like, I don't know if it's the best way to get across what they're trying to say or the most right or like there's some like weird repercussions i felt they could have like well you'd look at it in like 2016 or watching this film like well that seems not you know how things are going now it's like you don't want to no one would put those sequences in this film like there's a guy who's now just obsessed obsessed with sex and why oh because he had a really sexual grandma and then um as the, the the really weird one for me was when Joe was in the theater um, pulling the trick with the um, high school kid. Mm-hmm. Right, and then was that the flash... That wasn't the flashback to his grandma. That was the flashback was to, to his, his girlfriend. His girlfriend. girlfriend.
0: And her telling him that, oh, you're the greatest, Joe. You're the best.
1: Oh, okay. So there's so many that I'm getting confused because there's mm-hmm. that one, and then that scene continues right. where some boys
0: yeah, where jump them. they are both victims of a gang
1: rape. Right. And that whole sequence felt weird as i was watching it it was like this is the only reason why joe is the way he is now is because he had this horrible sexual traumatic experience and that's why he's kind of going off on this like sexual liberation of stuff
0: could be or it could be that he is uh you know another way to read in um is that he's willing he doesn't know i mean he has no friends right Mm -hmm. he's very socially inept uh and so He may just think that this is how things normally are and may not know any better in a lot of sense uh, or a lot of cases. He may not see the brutal rape of his girlfriend who goes crazy because of it as a big deal. He may just think that, oh, this is just normal. What happened to me is just normal. This is what happens. And so, yes, it can give him that um, um, skewed view on sexuality, um, but he doesn't know how to deal with it. And he and I think that's.
2: What also causes him to get into trouble? What did you think about those scenes, Rodrigo? It was interesting that I think a modern movie that dealt with those topics would have dealt with those topics directly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is weird that it's just kind of like here's Joe Buck. He's pretty weird about things, he's doing stuff, he doesn't know anything. Um, part of the reason why he's that way is because of his grandma. Part of the reason why he's that way is because he and his girlfriend were raped. Part of the reason why he's that way is because he's from Texas. And none of <laughs> these are, like, any particularly, like, higher or lower on right, the list. It's, right. just generally speaking, this is what he's about. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's why... I don't know. They came off so weird. It felt like they were trying to say something about his character and how they affected his life. And they don't in my mind give enough time to any of those scenes that you can't really figure out how Joe feels about them now that he's in New York City
0: well because now he's finally starting to process it right i mean uh, the you know you grow up With this idea of what it's going to be for you to be successful. And then you're like, hey, I'm going to move to California and I'm going to get into the movie industry Mm -hmm. and it's going to be super easy and I'll just have money falling off the trees left and right. What's the reality? Well, it's dirty. It's hard. It's not as easy as everyone says. And maybe you're not as great as everyone says you are as well. Mm -hmm. And so. Going through that boot camp, so to speak, going through that trial by fire. You find out, oh, maybe I'm not this God's gift to to women Mm -hmm. or man or whoever. And now I need to reevaluate my life. So a lot of the time is him just sitting there quietly trying to take in stuff. Some of it may be because he's socially inept. Some of it may be because of the past trauma. But it could also be that he's really trying to question, what am I doing? What does all this mean? How am I supposed to figure out my place in this world where – Everything I've seen on television and radio is wrong. Mm -hmm. And film, I suppose, too. We need to hear that. Sure, sure, sure. So I think that, you know, he is processing that stuff. We just don't see him verbalize that stuff. Mm. We see him try to, especially in the conversation with him and Ratso about um, why he dresses like a cowboy and uh, the John Wayne conversation. Mm -hmm. That's him verbally trying to – express his frustration over this is not what it's supposed, this is not what a cowboy is supposed to be. A cowboy is supposed to be rough and tough. I am a cowboy. And everyone's telling him no. And he's trying to process that so hard mm-hmm. and he just can't mm-hmm. until maybe the very end.
1: Yeah. In the, I think the, the John Wayne sequence between um, him and Ratso was kind of, it, it, it felt familiar in a way to me. And the way that these guys react, even, you know, we're talking 50 years after this movie is made is mm-hmm. when I'm in high school. And the way um, they, you know, are negatively accusing someone of being gay is this very familiar pattern of speech, yeah. I think, between guys. Um, at least but, the, maybe well, in my group, it was, not, it was a normal thing to do to try to disparage someone. And and then the interesting thing I thought was try to see Joe Buck is like, well, it, in my viewing of it is like, well, am I am I this way? What does that mean about me in and, and the continual breaking down of what his idea of a man is? which I, I, that, And that seemed it felt familiar in a way of the guy is trying to figure out who he is. And this is not helping or good of people to do. But you and your
0: friends chide each other because you're trying to neg each other and trying to disparage each other. Ratzo is just trying to knock some sense into Joe and saying this is the way it is. He's not trying to claim that that uh, that Joe is homosexual or not. He's just saying you dress this way. This is what people are going to think, because here this is what a cowboy does. So it's not them trying to um, it's not it's not Ratzo trying to make fun of Joe. He's just trying to explain, hey, man, this is this is the way things are.
1: Yeah, I mean, in and I guess I'm, my point of view is the way guys will say that is like, no, if you're going to dress like that, guess what? We're mm-hmm. going to think you're gay, mm-hmm. and that is uh, at least in people I've known, not an unfamiliar
2: conversation. Is it, 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 anything I'm saying kind of ring true at all, Rodrigo? Sure. I, I think I think Stephen is right in the sense that back in that at that point, it's like. Uh, it's entirely possible that Ratso is, in fact, trying to be like, hey, man, you don't want to be... Like, this is why this isn't working. But the language that is used mm-hmm. um, makes it really striking to us today, even though back in those days, that was a common common thing to say to people. And, you know, no, like... It, this movie, this movie isn't X rated for language, you know, it's yeah, like right. it's X rated for it, it is, in fact, X rated for the implication of gay sex. Mm-hmm. That is so that right there shows you those those ideas, right? It's mm-hmm. like nowadays somebody could watch this movie and get offended by that language. That's maybe what they would try to curtail. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in those days, they're like, well, we just don't want to show that that gay sex exists. Right.
0: Right. And so here's what, uh, here's what the Wikipedia says. Uh, after consulting with a psychologist, uh, executives at United Star Artists were told to accept an X rating due to the homosexual frame of reference and its possible influence upon youngsters. Huh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, John Schlesinger, uh, the director of this movie, who won uh, Academy Award is is gay mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of times when people are saying hey so were joe and ratso involved in a homosexual relationship from the director he's like no that's totally not what's going on these are just mm-hmm. two friends um you know trying to as you said earlier just trying to survive in new york and we're examining examining that process
1: mm-hmm.
0: so um thought that that might be something to throw into the conversation yeah i saw well.
1: that like right before i came over mm-hmm. that i think they said he came out while the film was premiering, or somewhere around that time, in the middle of mm-hmm. release. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's talk about um, John Voight and Dustin Hoffman because um, I knew they were in this film going into it, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Oh, that's John Voight, man." I know, right? Isn't mm-hmm. they, like <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, like, "Oh, that's definitely Dustin Hoffman." Right. He hasn't but, changed a uh, hundred years. Yeah, so John right. Voight, though. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was really interesting. I was watching this uh, with Aubrey while well, she was like doing right. like actual like work, work and yeah. I was watching a movie. And I was like, "Hey, do you know who these guys are?" just I have I have no idea. I have no idea. And then I pulled up recent pictures of. I'm like, "Oh, wow, well, yeah, no, that totally makes sense." Now I can see it. Yeah. Um, their performances, um, I thought were quite amazing. And everything I've read of reviews back way back then, and like New York Times and stuff that that was what people kind of pointed to as one of the best parts of this film is Dustin Hoffman and John Voight's performances in Midnight Mm -hmm, Cowboy. mm -hmm. Yeah, Voight really does,
0: I mean, he looks good. I mean, and again, for people that only know him from today uh, and uh, as the um, father of Angelina Jolie... uh, Oh, yeah, I always forget that. Yeah, you look at him and you're like, that's not John Voight. John Mm -hmm. Voight's a stooped-over old man. Uh, But no, (laughs) he really looks good in this film and really... Pulls off the dumb Texas uh, part, and he's from New York. Uh, you know, he grew up in New York or oh, in that area. So, yeah. you know, he did a fantastic job uh, in this film. And Dustin Hoffman grew up in in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, I think his performance of, of uh, Ratso is is really good too. I mean, we don't get very much backstory on the Ratso character, except right. that his father was uh, a shoe shine guy and uh, died, and Ratso has. Um, a handicap, and so people just dismiss him from that. And so he's had to scrape by., mm. uh, but he he brings such a performance to this as well as this very skittish, you know, he looks and sounds like a rat mm-hmm. um and uh, and you can really see him living in a rundown building all his life. And if I'm not mistaken, Rodrigo, your favorite uh, Muppet is based on on
2: rats i i I guess uh, he's not my favorite. Uh, oh, that's right. It's man, up how how could how could you pick a favorite? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like immediately the name. I was like, "Hey, I know a rat named that." Mm-hmm. Pretty much verbatim. Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess it's weird. It's weird when you work yourself backwards from things like that, right? It's like. Here's a thing that I encountered as a child that is a reference to this. It's like finding out who Bugs, Bun- who Bugs Bunny is supposedly based on, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, it's just like you would have never thought you see this like complete character, and it's like, ah, as it turns out, this is actually there was an influence to this,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and what an influence too.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what did you think of the the acting here, Zach, or or at least these two characters?
1: Oh man, I thought like John Void's really. I thought pulled it off well from um, his kind of dumb text and stuff, but I really enjoyed Dustin Hoffman's performance. It's because there was so, I guess, more um, in-your-face physicalness to it, because he has to walk the lamp, and he has, you know, this, like, greasy hair he's got mm-hmm. falling into his face all the time, and he has this... Uh, illness that uh eventually you know takes him in the end um and so i thought his performances all around which is really well which is incredibly well done which he went so far as trying to cough so much on set that oh, apparently yeah. he made himself throw up yeah, yeah. which just seems incredibly hard and 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 not great of uh, a, a day on set if you have to cough so hard that you make yourself throw up
2: mm-hmm. oh it's these uh You know, it's it's this rise of uh, actors that really involve themselves. It's the method. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we're still dealing with it. (laughs) Uh, What I
1: was really I had to do some searching and apparently there's not a definite answer was trying to figure out what sickness Ratso had. I think it just was pneumonia. That's what a lot of people kind of pointed to. They think maybe there is some polio because the polio wasn't quite out of America at this time. And then he's old enough though. He would have been
0: vaccinated though, even as a, as the son of an immigrant, he would have been vaccinated in the sixties. Yeah. But he's much older. He's much older. I mean, he's a 20 something, 30 something Mm -hmm. in this film and um, he would have been vaccinated. Okay. And so I, and I, so I don't think I, I just look at it as pneumonia.
1: Yeah. And, and that totally makes sense when I was reading it. When I was, watching the film and he was sick i and my timeline is like wrong so it can't work but i thought it was like aids no because you're he not was, wrong because yeah. um
0: you know there was before aids was aids it was um you know it was the the quote-unquote gay disease that mm. you got and certainly in the situations that were happening um a lot of people could assume that maybe that's what it is in hindsight. But um, you know, AIDS didn't just suddenly appear in the eighties. No. I mean, it was around yeah. much, much before that. And I can I can definitely see uh, people in hindsight saying that you know he died of AIDS. But I I don't see yeah it. no one because was really if anything to it. Hoffman appears to have or Ratzo's character appears to have little to no interest in sex, save for how are we going to make a buck out of this? Mm. Right? You never see him see him trying to exchange sex for money. He wants to be Joe's pimp. He has little desire when, uh, beautiful men and women are around him when they go to the Warhol or the Warhol esque party. Um, he's more concerned about, let me see how much food I can stuff in my pockets and get out of here. So he, right. I don't know. I, I don't know. Rodrigo. What do you think?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I, I can obviously the, the easy, uh, point here is pneumonia, you know, if if it's something like AIDS, um, you can really, I mean, it could be because, oh, okay. So follow me on this one. It probably isn't because at the time this movie was made, it wasn't well known Mm -hmm. one and two, if it was known, it was in fact regarded as as a, a, a gay thing. Now, as right. we all know, straight people can get AIDS mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. mostly from uh, either sex or from sharing needles and things like that. So we don't know if Ratso would have ever done something like that. Um, so it's it's weird. In retrospect, is like it could be, but that could not possibly have been the author's intent, Right. I, right. I feel. Um, because it's like, even if it was, Because he himself was gay and maybe he was uh, uh, prescient in that aspect of the community and and seeing it around. It's like nobody would have believed him, you know? Right.
0: I mean, it it probably would have been so, I mean, talk about obscure, 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 obscure. Yeah. I I mean, very few people would have made that connection in the film when it was initially released. Mm -hmm. But no, I can totally see looking at that and saying, oh, he's got AIDS.
1: Yeah, and, and and throughout the film, even before he Ratzo really gets sick, I was always um wondering what, you know, his relationship to that community was in New York. Mm-hmm. Because when we first meet Ratzo, it's in the diner and you know, Joe Buck's in there and a guy comes up to him and it, and it feels like he's trying to make a sexual advance on him and Ratzo kind of like shoes him off and and but like, Ratzo knows who he is, and mm-hmm. maybe because in the same neighborhood or something, but I can never. And he, you know, he knows, or where it's like he tells Joe, like, if you're going to dress like that, you know, you're going to have probably more guys come up to you, which you actually see in the film. I didn't realize that. Most of the guys, he's like just standing around, and like, guys are just like, hey, those guys, mm-hmm. probably. And um so he has some relationship. Maybe it's just because he, like, lives in the city and everyone knows if you live in the city, that's where everything, like, that community hangs out. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a part. Um, but I was always wondering what Ratso's, you know, connection to that whole scene was. I mean, he's around the area that he can. Well, yeah. He can afford
0: to live in, which is maybe not a best part of part of town, and um, so he's going to have interactions with people as he tries to hustle mm-hmm. um money from different people, beg money, borrow money, whatever that he does. Um, he does some things that are very uh, shady. In this movie, I mean, he, he tricks Joe out of 20 bucks to take him to a born again preacher guy. Yeah. Um, You know, he's, he's not a, he's not an innocent character in this movie. He is someone that is maybe a little on the, um, on the dark side. He's, he's a little bad. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe a lot bad, but it may be a product of his environment that turned him this way. Not that he is inherently this way. Which is the next thing you have to ask yourself, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, because when it seems like Joe and Reza start getting along more, it's like they're friendly, and they're, obviously they're still, like, they're conning people out of food, out of their stands mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that.
0: And stealing food, yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. But then, I mean, I guess they obviously could get good jobs if they wanted to, but it doesn't seem like the worst things they could be doing, you know? It, it does seem there's some good insight. No, they're not, they're like just, like, holding up banks or No, anything. they're just trying to survive and I guess, the best way they know how, which involves hurting people, minimally. Right, right. Uh, Rodrigo, you were expecting a weird uh, editing workshop in this film. You definitely got it mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. flashbacks and that whole party sequence. Did uh, th- th- that scene do its job better of trying to reference all of these new film techniques that are coming out? Uh, than, say like the LSD trip
2: in Easy Rider or anything like that. Yeah, I thought, I thought here they found a good, like, uh, first of all, they were kind of conservative with them. Um, they didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, they were used multiple times, but most of the time they had like a clear purpose. And I think that's, that's nice at least. You know, you end up with, uh, when new techniques or like when like uh, a a group of authors gets wind of something cool that's happening like over there, they all wanna copy it or, or incorporate it into their work. And a lot of the time they have a hard time finding a place for it. So it's just kind of like this weird out of place thing. Yeah. Um, I thought all of those scenes felt motivated here. Um, if for no other reason that we spend a lot of time inside Joe's head then actually some amount of time inside uh, Razzo's head mm-hmm. so um, those scenes seemed motivated you know the the, the moment where we the moment that the, 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 the way that we perceive the the events of the movie start getting distorted uh, makes a lot of sense right it's it's something like the the acid trip or like the uh, guy takes drugs at a party scene is now so ingrained that it's almost a joke. Yeah. Um, but presumably at this stage, it was still a, a fresh uh, trope that could be used without uh, without irony.
1: Yeah, it did seem, you know, kind of like we talked last week with Butch Guessing and his kid, where the greatest thing that movie did was make sure we weren't bored or they just timed mm-hmm. everything perfectly. It, they did, I think especially the party scene, did not continue on with the craziness so long, or if it, it even found ways to stay in the party mm-hmm. without getting too crazy. It's like, oh, uh, Joe Buck's getting a little high. Maybe for the first time. Yeah, and so uh, that's going on, that's going on. Whoa, let's pump the brakes really quick. Ratso's going to steal some food. Yeah. And we're going to have a scene of Ratso stealing some food really quick.
2: Right, and, and it actually advances the fact that there's something physically wrong with Razzo as you go, right? It's like, let's spend some time at this weird party, new, weird New York party. But actually, essentially, the moment that they get invited to this movie starts really the, I mean, he's been coughing all along, but the real setup that actually, he's really sick. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really sick.
1: Yeah, so I thought that scene was really good. And I had problems tracking some of... The flashbacks slash looking forward scenes because one of the weird ones was Joe Buck is writing a postcard back to his coworkers. He's like, "This is where I am, and here's an and then he never actually sends it, does he? He like flashes forward to the cook in the kitchen just looking yeah. at it, and then he's like, eh, yeah. "Never
2: mind." Yeah, yeah. It's like he, I guess, he imagines him getting it, and then he's like, "Nope, he's not gonna care." Right. I guess. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's interesting. It's interesting because you're like, oh, this is a flash forward to him getting this uh, letter. And then it's like, nope. Nope. I'm going to tear it up and throw it out the window.
1: Yeah. So there was definitely some interesting techniques used. and I, I mean, for the most part, I thought they were used fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen, is there anything that you didn't particularly like about Midnight Cowboy?
0: No, I think it's a. I think it's a fine movie. I I wish they were a little bit more. I wish they could have delved into Joe Buck's backstory a little bit more. I wish the um the the flashback dream sequences were a little bit more explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, not explicit in as far as giving it an X rating, but right. explicit as you know, what is his major malfunction? I mean, he was in the army. I mean, there's a there's a scene where he I know like, right he comes back like, and he's sitting no there in the army. Scenes it's about like, the war. Yeah, and it's like uh, because he would have been in. I don't know. This is 69. So he wouldn't have gone into Vietnam. Would he have been in, you know, Korea or something? I mean, he wouldn't have been in Korea, but it's it's why is he suddenly coming home from the army? Right. Was he kicked out? Was there something going on? I mean, there's some some of those backstory things I think would help explain Joe's situation better. And I don't know if they couldn't include him or if they weren't included or if it's just never spoken of. Yeah, but that would probably be the one thing that I would like to have, have seen explored a little bit more.
1: Yeah, that throwaway scene—it's like Joe, you're in the you were in the military for yeah. four seconds, and then that's all we're going to get of that. It seems
2: like it's such a weird throwaway. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I, and I mean, it's interesting because it's kind of weirdly true. The things that mess you up aren't necessarily the things you'd expect to mess you up. You know, if you've ever had like a deep conversation with someone else and they suddenly start talking about this dog they had for two months and then it died, you know, or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the things that mess people up are sometimes not the fact that they were in like an abusive relationship with someone or, you know, they they, they manage a way to like pull out of that and move through but the things that like really stick with them sometimes are the things that you wouldn't expect. And you'd think his time in the army would be mm-hmm. important, emblematic. I mean, well, it, you know, he, pr- he actually probably knows how to actually shoot a sidearm, which would be good for a cowboy, but that mm-hmm. doesn't ever factor into it. No, I mean the, the,
0: when his mom drops him off, he's dressed up in what we presume is a, uh, his dad's hat and, you know, little kid army outfit stuff. And then later he's, mm-hmm. he's grown up and it looks like he's a private in the army. So it's like, we don't even know anything about his dad it, Apparently, there's some military connection, but it's just really, really weird. Some of the things that were shown in his backstory that I think need to be, like I said, more explicit, more clearly defined. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So overall, I was, you know, I was really satisfied with Midnight Cowboys. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot more that could have been explored. But, you know, we were already pushing two hours on this film, which I actually felt went fairly quick. Mm-hmm. yeah through the watching it which was uh really nice so maybe if they could have kept that same pacing they could have pumped another 15 20 minutes into it um it might have started might have dragging to that, a little too long yeah but um for almost two hours it was a fairly quick mm-hmm. flowing movie that i really enjoyed and it's probably my favorite we've watched so far of this new chunk of, of 69. 69 movies okay. um so yeah i was really happy with it where would you
2: think i uh yeah it's i mean i didn't hate it uh all of all of these movies like like none of these movies like speak to me in any way i'm like just so far removed from this experience that um i'm like okay yeah cool this is a cool story but you know it's like you know, there were people sitting there watching Midnight Cowboy or Easy Rider and they were like, this is me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, even even today, there's probably people finding these movies and being like, this is me or it would have been back in the 60s, man. Yeah. Um, but I, I really don't get it out of don't get that out of these movies. But so it wasn't boring. It keeps moving. It was interesting. It tricked me into watching a buddy comedy that yep. I didn't know was coming. Um, it had some really good character moments. Um, so all around, I I guess I liked it. You know, it's like at the end, I'm like, well, this is not a movie that I would have sat down and watched on my own, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a bad experience. Sure.
1: Still hold up after second viewing?
0: Scene? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a fine film, but it's it's definitely something that uh, should make you question a lot of things after you finish it. I, it's really one of those, I, I think it's a think piece film, mm-hmm. that when you're done, you should sit there and think about your life. <laughs> and well, your that's life always choices, fun. right? That's
1: always fun to do. Um, so, everyone, oh, first off, I watched part of this movie on the Amazon app, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon video app, mm-hmm. on my iPad. And if you've never done it, they have this great feature called X-Ray, where... Oh, it'll do pop-up stuff? It will. You just, like, tap on the screen, and it will kind of pause it but it'll show you the IMDB listing. It's yeah, yeah. like everyone like in the scene or like on mm-hmm. screen. It's the best. Like, who's yeah, yeah. that guy? Tap the screen. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Let's go read about him really quick. It's the best. It is so helpful. Yeah. You know, like make sure you don't spend half the movie thinking like, where do I know him from?
2: It's, well, it's definitely. Best. I mean, on a first watch, I wouldn't necessarily recommend For it. Sure. But if it's something you've already seen, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think on consoles, the Amazon app does that too. It's just a little bit harder to control.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So that's always fun in case you like knowing who's in all your movies. Uh, but that's going to end it for this week's episode of Zach on Film, everybody. Head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and give all your thoughts about things we've discussed in this show or just your thoughts on Midnight Cowboy in general. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com app. Or not the app, just the sidebar. It'll take you right to Amazon. You can do all of your shopping. It's not going to cost you any extra when you use that that little link. Uh, but a little bit of that money will come back to Major spoilers to help make shows like this and so much more. Come on to your podcast listening device each and every week. And Stephen, of course, there's a new Patreon. Yeah, if you enjoyed this episode and found some value in
0: it, please head over to patreon.com slash majorspoilers and sign up. You can give as little or as much as you like, and depending on how much you give, you might get a cool reward, like an exclusive t-shirt wow. or something else. You can find out more, patreon.com. Slash major spoilers. Something else is my favorite. So next week, we're watching a marathon of a film. Once Upon a Time in America. We're going back to the Old West as seen through the eyes of Sergio Leone. Yes, we know him from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Now we're taking a look at his take on the much longer Western story in Once Upon a Time in America. We are watching the full two hours and 46 minutes. Uh. That was initially released in 68, but really came out in America in 69. Um Yeah, it stars uh, Henry Fonda, Jason Robards, Charles Bronson, Claudia, I think her name is Cardinelli, Uh, but uh, it is, uh, I started to watch it the other day and I was like, you know what, I gotta stop. (laughs) I mean, it's a long film. (laughs) Here's the one thing. Yeah. Push through it. It is is slower than The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, Lord. But I think the payoff at the end is so well worth it.
1: Well, you know, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly did have that great scene at the end, so I'll trust you on this one as well. But that'll be next week on Zach on Film.
0: Podcast is copyright
1: 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC.
0: Spin your passion into a
2: business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time.